Hey family, there is a sudden change in my audio quality partway through this episode that persists for quite a while. I don't know why it happened and I'm unable to fix it, so I just wanted to give you a heads up. It does fix itself at some point. Um, There were a lot of issues this week. I think the audio stopped recording like three or four times. At some point, my headphones even died. Um, So you'll get to hear all of that fun in this episode. Um, This episode was a lot of fun to record, but I just wanted to give you a heads up that the quality does change and it does correct itself. Um, But thanks for listening. Hey, so how's it going? Um, it's going better. I have power and water. I don't have to boil my water anymore. Bragger. Um, and today I had to turn on my AC because why the fuck not at this point? <laughs> right. Because, you know, we we needed it to heat up 70 degrees in the span of five days. Y'all, it was a rough week week and I feel so bad that we weren't able to do a podcast but also like I was literally freezing to death I I know that we have made a commitment to not complain as much in the opening so we are going to try to be as tasteful in this opening as possible by that I mean we're going to complain as fuck today so just bear with us or fast forward to like minute 10 yes Um, do that So long story short, if you are new to us or unaware, Aaron and I live in Louisiana and Texas and Mm -hmm. Louisiana and Texas got a bitch of a winter storm named Shirley. I didn't even know they named the thing and he sent us a screenshot. Mm -hmm. Um, And Shirley Shirley is a bitch. First of all, (laughs) Dr. Sarah said Shirley needs to put her wig back on and get the fuck out of here. So, I didn't work um, for five. I didn't work for five days, and I've never been more miserable in my whole life. And that is saying something. That is saying a lot, in fact. Um, First, I just want to. I'm going to air my grievances real quick. Okay. How many are there? Did you count? Did you write them down or four ish? Okay. I didn't know if they were like prepared or if they're just coming off the cuff. Ted Cruz. Okay. Greg Abbott. Okay. ERCOT. Okay. And CPS, which here in San Antonio stands for City Public Service, not Child Protective Services. <laughs> right. <laughs> can all get fucking wrecked. Um, the CEO of CPS, and I told you I would tell this story on our regular episode, sent everyone a message to just relax. <laughs> Um, I would, if anyone is good with like editing, could you please just take the clip of every time we've talked about what happens when you tell someone to relax over the past two years and send it to the CEO of CPS? I was beside myself. Did you just relax? Did that help you just relax? Yeah, it totally did help. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, additionally, I just want to say that during the summer, they send out these, like, 
really fun messages and challenges to like conserve energy because it's super hot and everyone's using their AC. And here's where you stand on the power grid. Can you beat your neighbor? And usually I want to beat the fuck out of my neighbor, but you know what? I don't anymore. I'm going to run my AC at 68 degrees in the middle of summer and you can get fucked. Just, just send him back an email that says relax. No, I'm just going to. This summer, I'm going to be like, mm, we're on rolling payments right now. To not, this month's not your month. Sorry. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I, what I, I mean, I should not be surprised anymore. I should not be surprised. Aaron, I should not be surprised anymore yep. that I can't even say it's conservatives. I can't even say it's Republicans. It's it's just trashy ass motherfuckers who can find a way to make and politicize natural disasters. That's I mean, can we just like I just want to remind everyone, no matter where you're listening from, I'm sure you heard at least one news story, uh, or maybe it's different in other states. If you live in Texas, you heard about how this was all because of the Green New Deal. And I just want to remind everyone, it's not a law yet. It's a a thing that people are talking about. It's not an actual thing. So I cannot stress this enough. Greg Abbott, you can get your ass off of Fox News blaming this on AOC and actually fucking do something for once in your God forsaken life. Wait, so you mean it's not that the wind turbines that provide power to less than 20% of Texas froze, even though they actually are designed to withstand temperatures of, you know, sub-Arctic temperatures like in Antarctica? If you'd Um, like, as my friends from True Crime Obsessed would say, give a quick goog. Um, and look up the wind turbines in Antarctica that are functioning just fine. Yeah, I in fact shared shared a picture, just like shared links for people, just just in case. The the people like and the fact that our leadership went on the instead of helping people, well, except one person who I will shout out in just a second, but I just talked about him at the end of our Patreon episode. Well, but And that person's not leadership. That's no. the worst part, the scariest so, part. The fact that our own leadership can't do a goddamn thing except get on the television and talk about how this is all somebody else's fault, but Beto O'Rourke can raise uh, millions of dollars and get people water and organize a Zoom call to check on senior citizens and actually save their lives when they answer the phone and they've been out without power and heat for days and like arrange for them to get to a hotel. Yeah. Yeah. The people that are fucking up are you, Ted Cruz, and you, Greg Abbott, and you, John Corn, and I'm sure you did something too. So fuck all of you. And to Chip Roy, my congressman, who sent me an email asking for money while I didn't have any power, you especially can also get fucked. Thank you. And that will end the airing of my grievance. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, yes. All of those things. I think the <gasps> the conversation that needs to be had in a level space, and as somebody who is at this point only affected by this insofar as the people I love you as one of my best friends, my family in Texas, 
people I am close to and love very dearly were affected, but I was not impacted by this particular situation. And so I can address this in a less emotional and impacted space is the deregulation of the Texas power grid was a very big and real issue. And that, and stupid. um, And it felt, do you remember my Patreon? Oh, I just, all I could think about was my Patreon that I did when we talked about when they privatized the um, power grid in Malta mm-hmm. and they, and let me tell you like people and I, to people that listen to this podcast in other States, if you're one of the people that's on social media right now saying that pe- people in Texas deserve this because our leadership is Republican, fuck you. Please too. unsubscribe. Um, but also the vote on deregulating the power grid happened in the nineties. I was not old enough to vote in the nineties. Right. I couldn't have done jack shit. So like blaming me and my kids and like, especially my generation for this problem. No, it's not our fault. And what, and even blaming my parents, which, you know, I'm, I don't give my parents much grace when it comes to their political beliefs, you know that, but they were fed a bunch of lies about what that would do. Right. And that's the biggest issue is that that is the grand scheme of the political landscape up to now. And it's the, it's the grand scheme of the political landscape. Now, one of the things that we have that generations before us did not have is we have access to a wider amount of information. We have things like, podcasts that are not this podcast that are actually super well researched and break down information. We have things like TikTok where there are actual political analysts who are listening and disseminating information and telling you where to find good resources mm-hmm. whenever you don't understand the things that you're listening to. But in the 90s their their information was not that easily accessible. And people voted with just the information they had. And they were And it's because you're brought up to believe that politicians are telling you the truth and they're not. They're lying to you. All of them. Right. It's it's the same way that generations before us were led to never question your doctors. Mm -hmm. And now we know that we can ask our doctors questions and we can question the medication they put us on and that we can say, Mm -hmm. I don't like the way this particular medicine makes me feel. Is there an alternative? But the generations leading up to us were just taught that this doctor went to school for so long. So they know better than us. And it's, it's a change in worldview that I think we all have to accept has to happen, but also. And it's pointing like we the- have to catch up because if you look at our political leaders, they are not part of that generation for the most part, there are a few, but for the most right. part, they're all of an older generation than us. And yes, those people are, you know, just by the general linear way time works you know eventually right. those people will be out and our generation will be in but we have what we have to do as i think for the millennial generation or the zennials whatever you want to call me is we have to be sure that we're continuing to look back and learn from people that are younger than us because i think what happened with um the boomers and whatever is that they think that they know better and they're not willing to learn and to listen to people of a younger generation and to hear what they have to say about issues and that is really hurting them. Right. And it's hurting all of us, uh, but right. Like, did you know that credit scores weren't introduced until 1988? Yes. I learned that this week and I screamed into the void, but thankfully I didn't have power. And so it warmed me up a little bit. Right. So like, no wonder, 
this is one of those instances where the generation's older than us. You could work a minimum wage job and pay off your student loans and live a really nice, happy life. Right. Well, and that loans were given based on a handshake agreement and an interview with the bank. And if you could present yourself in a, like, first of all, no wonder loans were, um, you know, catered and tailored to white men, first of, of all. Oh, yeah. like, but like it was so easy to get a loan to start a life and to get and a low know, interest the, loan the year if you off were the top well of my head, but a woman was not able to get a loan by herself for a very Much disturbing amount of time. Oh oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so anyway, all that to say that that the boomers who don't realize that, that 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 didn't go into effect until after they were done making big life decisions. Mm-hmm are the ones who have trouble understanding why millennials are in the financial straits that we're in today. Mm-hmm. And if we don't look backwards at generations behind us, we're going to be those boomers one day is what exactly. you were saying. And That's I just, exactly I was like, I That's the thing that I learned this week that mm-hmm. was like, what the fuck for real? I saw a TikTok today that like hit me so hard. It was like, Hey, the bank says I don't qualify for a $900 a month mortgage. So instead I pay, I pay $1,500 a month in rent. Yes, yes, that, that hit me hard and it hurt. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, okay, I'm gonna stop and complaining I, now. <laughs> this week yes, has been uh, rough. It has. Um, and and to add to that, you know, we had every water main in our city ruptured because it froze and because it our water system hasn't been updated in God knows how long. One of my friends um, at her house had orange water she posted a picture of it and i legit was like oh my god i thought that was a mimosa yeah no like our stuff is disgusting here too our boil advisory won't be lifted till march the 8th at the earliest um sarah's sister came to visit and then she got snowed in here um and through the course of which i'm glad she was here First and foremost, I enjoy her company. But secondly, I got a stomach bug. I was just going to ask morning. you. I was just going to say, I totally forgot to ask you how you were feeling because your oh. entire family was wiped the fuck out with no water. This with no water. I'm still mega dehydrated. Like I'm still so dehydrated. But so I went down Tuesday morning. Sarah mm-hmm. went down Tuesday afternoon. You so were that sick. Left- I was worried about you. I was like, I'm going to call an ambulance pretty soon here. Well, yeah, I really was afraid that I was going to need an IV. Um, And then, and then, um, so that left Sarah's sister to deal, to take care of our toddler Mm -hmm. um, until she got sick that night, at which point I had been like, I was, you cycled out. (laughs) So I had to tag back in and do like bedtime duty and all that. And I mean, like, we could not have survived if she'd not been here. Like it just so was impossible. There. So I'm glad she was she here. She made it home wonderful now, TikTok but... videos and I love her. So. <laughs> yes, she is wonderful. But she um, great. So I'm about to say, we had a rough week little, last week. Well, I was about to make a really great segue and I'm going to deal with it. So I have a really great sister-in-law, but apparently you watched a movie about a psycho brother-in-law. I really did. And as I texted you earlier today, these notes are either the funniest notes I've ever taken or the worst. So, oh my God, this is lifetime sentence, and I'm Paul, and I'm Aaron. <laughs> we're we're 15 minutes in. <laughs> oh well, <laughs> yeah. These are either the funniest notes you'll hear or um, the worst. So, um, 
either thank I you cannot or wait. I'm sorry. I <laughs> cannot wait. <laughs> um, this movie is crazy. And in fact, I had dinner with my sister earlier and I told her, um, this is the craziest movie I've seen since the sister sister movie where the twin married the oh yeah dead twin good husband. I'm so excited and your sister just recently started listening <laughs> um so she did let's see she was on she's like way behind she's on Big Little Lies and I was like right I know so she'll hear this in like 2022 <laughs> so like hey how are you doing hope yeah. you're well hi Anna <laughs> what's up <laughs> um. Yeah, my, uh, my poor sister. She went through it too this week. Every everybody went through it this week. Anyways, this week I watched Psycho Brother-in-Law, but it also goes by the name Blood Brothers. Yeah, I saw that when I was doing research, and I was like, didn't and they I use that like for Menendez? They did, and maybe that's why they didn't stick with it. Because I was like, mm, I kind of like that title better. But oh, also, it stars they did Brittany. a series. So this kicked off a series of psycho in-law movies. So there's a psycho brother-in-law, a psycho in-law, which is a mother-in-law movie, and a psycho sister-in-law that came out um, in August of this past year. So oh, I know there's a psycho mother. There is a psycho mother-in-law movie too. Yeah, and psycho sister-in-law came out in August, and I only know that because yes. I had to research this case really closely. Well, they, I've got to pull some stuff because they did some rip from the headline stuff recently that we're going to do in the coming months. Uh, one is Long Island Serial Killer. So yes. <laughs> this movie stars Brittany Fowler. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize we were bringing in French stars all of a sudden. Hello, foreign yeah. film lifetime. She plays wifey. I just call her that because in the beginning of the movie, I guess I missed it where they said her name was Kay. And every time someone called her Kay, I thought that was like short for something else. And so I was like, what the fuck is this girl's name? <laughs> and you'll hear, I, there's a point in my notes where I go, oh my God, is this girl's name just Kay? And I will tell you it's on page five of six. So. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, she is from The Gallows, The Platform, um, a movie called Fucking 40, which I want to watch now. Just to see what it's about. Um, Do you remember when The Gallows came out? You might not have been affected by this at all. No. The most brilliant marketing strategy of any movie ever. You know why? It's okay. called The Gallows. I don't like it already. So it was a horror film. Obviously. And um, they... Like it was a rom-com they about created... Mike and Karen Pence. <laughs> right. <laughs> They created the Charlie Charlie challenge that was so popular on Vine. <gasps> oh my god, I do remember that. I didn't so, like it did not affect me at all because I'm I was a grown up by then, but I do remember that. I was teaching middle school and like my it had to be like outlawed at her school and mm -hmm. my, the teachers were like kids are make doing seances in the bathroom with pencils and so I had to do all this in-depth research and I was like, y'all, this is literally marketing for a movie that's not even gonna mm -hmm. do very well. And it didn't. Um, she's, uh, yeah, and from another movie called Almost Home. And then we have Zach Gold. Um, he plays David. Um, he's from a movie called The Unraveling. Adam Ruins Everything. Oh, that's a TV show that I like. 
and it will he's the hot one with lots of abs uh-huh that's what i can gather from that um and fear lives here which sounds like an id show to be perfectly honest i think it is no, I think, well, what you're thinking of is Evil Lives Here, but I feel oh, like Fear Lives right. Here could definitely be a spinoff. Um, yeah, you're right. And then we have Mike Duff. He plays Eric. He is from Sensory Perception, um, Inappropriate Affect, Alien Convergence, and The Truth About You. Okay, so one of the things I read said that this was a lifetime theatrical release, but they couldn't even hire like one actor who's had an actual credit. Um, this is going to be the one. The one coming up is going to be our most famous. Her name is Megan Ashley Brown. She plays Laura. She was in The Conjuring, um, and the Party of Five remake that came out on Freeform last year. Oh, so great! She's the star power, and she plays the kid. <laughs> so this opens on a baseball field with a guy throwing his own baseballs to hit while a couple makes out under the bleachers okay at yours under the bleachers was not a thing at my school was it one at yours i mean have you looked at me to see if i would have ever been somebody who was invited to one of those places like Look, zoom in real quick to make out of, of all the places to make out at school i never made out under the bleachers i'm just saying that oh I, here let me of all the places to make out at school i never made out also i, I just want to clarify the That's fact the that end. i thought fact that i thought older guys were attracted to me because i was mature but i was wrong so <laughs> <laughs> um baseball bro tells bleacher bro to ditch the girl so they can go and then out of nowhere this crazy jock dude just like jumps on the bleacher guy and starts beating him up he's like that's my girlfriend no, and i was like no that happened under the bleachers from? at my school we've already established that you don't even know where the bleachers were like <laughs> <laughs> no i knew where the bleachers were and like beating the shit out of people happened under the bleachers for sure okay um so baseball bro like comes out with the bat to threaten the jock guy that's beating up his brother. The jock guy gets up and he's walking away and baseball bro just clocks him in the head twice with a bat and kills him. Oh, like you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just that's what you do underneath the bleachers. Just beat the shit out of somebody and walk away. That's a regular Wednesday at school. Um, so fast forward to 23 years later. Sinister music plays as we focus in on a house. A man is getting dressed and talking on his phone while his wife tries to make a grocery list and ask him what kind of fish he wants for dinner. She's like, do you want the halibut or the orange ruffy? And I was like, girl, he doesn't know the difference. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I just had a, I just had a recovered memory. So in college sarah lived in a house with i felt like a million women i I know that it was only three or four roommates but it just felt like a million Mm -hmm. one of them was a nursing major and she walked in one day and she said that she was going to make tilapia for her boyfriend but um the recipe said to wrap it in foil and put in the oven but she didn't think you could put foil in the oven. And 
I was like, what do you, what do you mean you can't put foil no. in the oven? And no. she was like, well, you no, can't I'm put leaving. it in the microwave. Don't tell this story. She, she, she said, you can't, you can't put my, uh, foil in the microwave. So I figured like you can't put it in the oven because it can't get hot. Right. And <coughs> I, I literally looked at her and went, please don't be a nurse. So she did change her major to hospitality and tourism, and uh, she's a Just wedding. Probably not and any better. It's not. She's any better a wedding planner, and she's great at that. Think foil can't go in the <laughs> oven. It's not a good look. Nope, it's not. But at least she's not poking people with needles while she's doing it. Like, <laughs> okay, so the husband decides to leave the house and go to work with his shirt mostly unbuttoned, which is a choice. I- is it the hot one? Is it the the ab? I mean, they're both hot, or? but no, it's not oh. the ab guy. Um, but his wife is like, "I love you. Don't be a dick and leave us when you're finally successful." Bye. Like, <laughs> okay. Um, he runs out promising to be there for date night and to get the washing machine fixed. So, hot take: I bet neither of those things happen. Okay. Um. <laughs> So after he leaves, the wife goes grocery shopping and he's supposed to be a CEO somewhere, but she also drives a Kia and no offense to Kias, but it's just not the car of someone that I, what I think like CEO's wife, I'm not thinking of a Kia. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a small, just starting out company. That That's mm-hmm. a starter CEO car. A starter CEO. <laughs> <laughs> While putting away groceries, she calls her husband to remind his voicemail again about the washing machine. So it's definitely not going to get getting fixed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, While she's, oh no, sorry. Apparently a food vendor for an event for a thing that she's working on has pulled out, which is the worst thing ever, obviously. So she has to go fix it. And now we're at a high school. Because that's where you go find the caterers for your fancy CEO um, events. Is the caterer that emailed us today <laughs> at a high school? <laughs> Y'all, we get some wild emails. It's so funny. I still haven't fixed our SEO <laughs> issues. And so like, it was like, do you need catering or special chocolates for your event? And I was like, Aaron, are we having an event? <laughs> and as I told you, um, if you could retroactively order the catering for last week, right? I appreciate it. I will never eat ramen ever again. Mark my words. Okay. So there's a girl in high school who gets scared by a guy and she drops her books and he's her boyfriend. And I guess this is the daughter that they have. Oh, that the, <laughs> that the wifey and the unbuttoned shirt guy have. Okay. Yeah. Totally. This movie makes so much sense. Okay. Okay, good. (laughs) So the boyfriend tells her to stop playing with numbers and play with him instead. Oh, God. I was like, ooh. This is the worst flirting. As somebody who's not good at flirting, this is the worst flirting I've ever heard. And she's like, "Mm, love you. Bye. I have to go to class. So... (laughs) Um, okay, yes, mom is running a PTA meeting during the school day because that's a that's a thing. Oh, there are actually lots of PTAs that meet during the school day. 
Not ones that I was a part of because I had a job. Okay. Um, <laughs> Wifey's friend, who is a wino, like literally calls her and is like, you want some lines at the PTA meeting? And she's like, sure. <laughs> so after the meeting... After the meeting, they're standing in the school parking lot, and this bitch is literally drinking like a tiny like a tiny bottle of Sutter Hole. I want to, I want to be the friend that just drinks wine in the high school parking lot for no reason. I mean, I am that person today. Anyways, um, they talk about wifey's marriage and how disconnected she feels from her husband. And the friend automatically assumes that the husband is having an affair, which I think is a stretch. Generally, when these movies have affairs in them, it's pretty obvious. And I don't get that vibe. Um, as they're talking in the parking lot, the daughter comes out and joins her mom. And they say goodbye to Wino and drive home. And I love how I'm nearly 15 minutes into this movie and nobody has a name. <laughs> Zero names. Um, so has Kay actually been said at this point or even Kay wasn't really said okay back at home the wind is blowing so I assume a storm is coming but it's just going to be hurricane bro spoiler alert perfect Um, mom and daughter eat dinner together and wonder aloud when dad will ever come home and like hang out with them again later the mom watches a horror movie by herself, which is really dumb. And it really does look like it stars her wino friend as the lead. So there's that. Maybe her... Look, wino has a side hustle, and I respect it. (laughs) Can can you imagine the side hustle is starring in C-list horror films, and her main job is presenting your best friend with wine in the school parking lot. Like that's your main hustle. (laughs) So right at the scariest part of the movie, the doorbell rings and it's her husband's brother. He apologizes for coming over so late saying he's like, I didn't have your number anymore. And I was like, (laughs) Um, daughter makes tea while bro looks at photo albums and they all chat. He tells them he's into crab fishing now. And the daughter's like, oh my god, like on the Discovery Channel? And he's like, yeah. (laughs) What a very awkward conversation. He's like, oh no, it's gonna get awkward. (laughs) No. Aaron, what did you watch this week? Listen, he tells them (laughs) that he even saw a guy disappear off a ship once. Which sounds terrible, but by the sound of the music playing and the fact that the guy says, or the bro says, he wasn't a very nice guy. I think maybe he was pushed. <laughs> um. Vigilante crab fishing. <sighs> that is a show I would watch. That's the name of my new rock band. Vigilante. That's a good band name. Right. Um, so they changed the subject to how the daughter is a math wizard and is going to be in a math competition. And immediately I was like, oh, my God, she's Katie from Mean Girls. Um, and then she pulls out her um, her strange fertility statue. The limit does not exist. The <laughs> limit does not exist. Okay. Um, so... The guy goes to leave to go back to his motel because 
her husband still isn't home. And, but she's like, no, your family, you should totally stay in the guest room. And so he's like, uh, okay. So later when um, CEO guy comes home, they're like, look, your brother is here. And he starts yelling and he's like, this is awesome. I'm not mad at all. Excuse me, please. And he leaves the Oh, I totally misheard earlier. He's the CEO. I thought she was the CEO. No, he's the CEO. And then I was like, I was like, how could the CEO of anything go to a PTA meeting during the school day? I'm now having to rewrite this whole movie in my head. Okay, I'm back on track now. Why don't you just listen to me talk about it and you won't have to write the movie at all? Listen, that sounds like a lot of work. Okay. So his name is Eric and his wife chases him down the hall asking him why he's so mad. Um, meanwhile, Uncle David, that's his name. His name is David. Oh, good. We finally have names. Takes his niece to a bar. And what town is this? He's like, listen, I, I need to know how many ounces I'm about to consume. Just depending on how editing goes, we had some technical issues. So I don't know where this picks back up. But um, so last thing I remember is that he had taken his niece with him to the bar and I was making some hilarious joke. Everyone was belly laughing about how I said she needed to use her math skills to count how many ounces he was consuming. Yeah, I missed that joke the first time. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad I retold it so that you could belly laugh too. I'm glad you I'm glad you explained it in such a way that it's still so funny. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I have this brand of surrealist comedy and mm. um, that's it's absurdist and that's really what makes it all come together. Yeah. So uh, wifey is trying to talk to Eric about why he's mad, but he's like, I am not mad at all everything is fine i'm just surprised is all okay so she convinces eric to go talk to his brother and finally they do that weird like dude bro apology they're like "Mm, sorry i was like weird like "Mm, uh, like want a beer yeah okay oh yeah i that's that's how my brothers apologize and i'm like no no i'm sitting here waiting for you to say i'm sorry so i can say yes you are like i need I need that in my life. Well, I'm still over here trying to figure out why they brought their teenage daughter to a bar. So, um, I mean, besides the fact that she does appear to be in her 20s. (laughs) So David assures his brother that whatever happened with him before is all good now. It's totally under control. And I'm assuming he means the incident where he killed someone with a baseball bat earlier. Um... Justin, what if it's not? What if, like, he stole the other one's girlfriend in college and that's why they're not talking? Uh, just then, someone intentionally like hits Eric in the shoulder, and he's like, The guy's drunk, and he's like, Oh, you want to fight? And um, and kind of David kind of tries to square up to him, and then Eric is like, don't do that. And so Eric is like, you know, like you have a safe night, sir. Please and thank you. <laughs> and God bless you. <laughs> After they all go home, wifey tries to get it on with Eric. And he's like, nah. And I don't know if it's just me or the fact that it's been a blizzard for the last week or the fact that I didn't have any power and I have like residual need for warmth. 
But if I wanted to get it on right now, I would. <laughs> right. Um. So the next morning, wifey gets up and gets ready for yoga. Eric and daughter get up and go off to school slash work. And David does housework since he's the guest. As one does. Mm. So wifey's out on their balcony doing yoga, listening to like some class, except the instructor is not actually telling her to do anything. Okay. I've never taken a yoga class. I don't know how they go. Okay. So typically they'll be like, okay, so then you're going to, you know, put your hands like this and, you know, or like go to warrior two or up to downward facing dog. No, no. It's like, okay. So like up across, breathe. Peace. That's not a yoga cl- Those are just words. Listen, this it's interpretive yoga. Those might be directions to someone. <laughs> <laughs> um, David surprises her on the balcony and tells her that he loves that yoga instructor. And he's like, and you look great. And she's like, mm, thanks. Too bad no one appreciates me and my abs. See, I told you this is not about him killing someone under the bleachers. It's about stealing girlfriends. I called that from a mile mm-hmm. away. So, um, yeah, she's like, no one appreciates me. I just got these abs for nothing. Mm. <laughs> okay, but for real, though, if I had abs and people did not appreciate them, I would be fucking pissed. I would, I would walk around with next to nothing on at all times. And I would expect special treatment, honestly. I'm on a weight loss journey, and the last week aside, I have been doing really well. And let me tell you, when I get hot, I am not going to wear clothes ever. I'm going to be naked Um, all the time. I lost a lot of weight last week. I don't mean to brag, but it just dropped right off. (laughs) Um, So... Oh, and I just wrote, if someone from Lifetime would like to reach out and let me know where those yoga pants are from, I would appreciate it because they're super cute. Um, so then er, er, David's like, oh, I'm sure my brother appreciates your hot bod. And she's like, huh, we schedule sex now. That's normal. Bye. <laughs> That's your brother. Her, she pulls out her bullet journal and <laughs> she's like, see, it's right here. Uh, it's a circle. So it's a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, every Tuesday and Thursday. Um, like I'm 100% convinced that David is a psycho killer, but also he's much nicer and more attractive than his brother. And I will regret this statement later, but he's hot. Oh no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um wifey asks David to go run errands with her and he says, uh, awesome sauce. And I already regret saying he was hotter. <laughs> You're like hitting the backstage button harder than you ever have before. <laughs> <laughs> delete, delete, delete. Um, so wifey takes David to another PTA meeting in the middle of the day. And the wino friend pulls a full on, oh my God, David. From <laughs> it was one step away from, oh my God, ew, David. And yeah. Um. Meanwhile, the daughter is at school telling her boyfriend that she doesn't want to have sex with him when her mom and uncle come strolling down the hallway. 
she tries to put down her mom saying that she doesn't do anything all day except yoga. And um, Uncle David's like, well, your mom did all these things just this morning. And I think she's pretty groovy. Did Uncle David just arrive from the seven? Like, what's happening? He's been in a time machine and he's just brought back every decade with him. I really just want to know if maybe he was just in prison and he thinks that's how people talk still. Um, so, daughter's boyfriend calls Uncle Dave a cuck, which I was like, ooh, okay. Ooh, ooh lifetime. And... The daughter doesn't immediately dump him for that, and they kiss goodbye. And he finally says her name. Her name is Laura. The daughter's name is Laura. (laughs) So since Eric has still not called someone to fix the washing machine, called it, uh, wifey tries to fix it herself using a YouTube video. This predictably goes horrifically wrong. And they both, like, she and David end up soaking wet. And they hug. I've seen this porno before. Yeah, we all have. (laughs) Um, Shout out to my family who progressively more and more are listening to this podcast. (laughs) Um, So they like hug soaking wet and then David's like, I'll fix it. And he strips off his shirt because that's how you fix washing machines. He just flashes his abs at the washing machine. and I literally said, how does one psycho killer have so many abs? There's so many of them. What is that Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling movie that's not the musical? Oh, um, um, I'm um, with Steve Carell. Oh my God, what is the name of that movie? Blue Valentine? Valentine? No, not Blue oh, Valentine. What is, what is this movie? Hold on. I'm going to be so pissed because it's... Uh, crazy Stupid Love. Yes. Where I don't know she's Blue like, Valentine It's like your Photoshop. Uh-huh, Yes. I love her. Okay. Um, so he tries to help Laura do her homework while wifey gets ready for date night, which since she looks like actual sex on a stick, I'm going to guess Eric doesn't show up too. Let's see what happens. Um, sure enough, he doesn't show up when he calls to give her his excuse. She does exactly what I would do in this situation. She listens to him and she's like, okay, bye. And she hangs up. <laughs> um, Uncle David offers to take her out instead. Cause that's not weird, except it is weird. Um, so uncle David and wifey go to date night. This is getting more and more bizarre by the second. I feel like we just covered this story in like the don't fuck your sister episode. Yeah, yes. <laughs> the oldest might be your sister talk. Yeah. <laughs> um, so wifey tells David all about how she met Eric and how they got together and they went skinny dipping and yeah. So after dinner, they run into the wino friend who's like, oh, I thought you were Eric. You two look super cozy. <laughs> I love this friend. And then Wino's like, by the way, just so you know, not that you asked, I just had a horrible date. Thank you. Um, So I'm going to go to bed. Bye. (laughs) This totally harshes their buzz. So they head home. When they get home, 
who's sitting up in the living room working. It's Eric. He's super pissy, which I mean, first maybe show up to date night and your wife won't go out with your brother, but also maybe your wife shouldn't be going out with your brother. What is this movie? Whose side am I supposed to be on? I don't know. I I think the little girl, what's her name? Tracy or Laura? Karen or whatever. Names don't matter in this movie, clearly, because it took them 28 minutes to give any character a name. So then, like, Eric's sitting there working, and he's like, yeah, um, I'm glad you'll have fun. David, we should totally go fishing soon. And I was like, what is happening? I don't understand. So Eric and wifey go to bed and he's like, well, I'm glad you went out on a date. You want to fuck? And she's like, aggressively not. Like, <laughs> And then he blows out her bullet journal and he's like, but it's on the schedule. It's a circle. It's a goal. <laughs> um, he's like, but baby, I was um, at work and I had, and she's like, have you been drinking? And he's like, well, part of my job is, is networking and she's like no go away he's like remember that nice kia we have who do you think bought you that yeah baby who bought you that kia (laughs) okay (laughs) sinister music plays while david takes his pills or doesn't i'm not really sure the next morning wifey is cleaning the house and finds an open drawer with a random photo album in it Later, she's putting away laundry and finds a hidden photo of her family in David's room. Dun, dun, dun. Over at school, Laura and her boyfriend are talking about going out that night. Ron, the boyfriend, who I didn't even know there were teenagers named Ron. Like, I didn't think that was a thing. Um, Also, how far are we into this movie for them to finally decide he deserved the name? I mean, yeah. Um, He offers to drive Laura home from school since wifey and David are still going to be a bit longer in the PTA. This is the weirdest PTA ever. They have meetings every day just during the school day. Yeah, no, that doesn't happen. (laughs) Um, He drives her home and, of course, they make out in front of the house. He's like, can I come in? Nobody's home. And she's like, no. (laughs) So Laura goes inside and just pulls a fully made sandwich out of the refrigerator. I'm here for it. It, Who keeps fully made sandwiches in the refrigerator on a plate by itself? Moms who go to PTA all day long every day. Okay, but if she made that that morning and it's just been sitting in there, then it's going to be soggy and gross. I don't eat sandwiches because I'm actually gluten intolerant. So um, I don't actually know how sandwiches work, if I'm being honest. The most bougie response ever goes to. <laughs> it has nothing to do with being bougie and everything to do with colon health. Mm. So anyways. Um, this has, is the content y'all come to lifetime yeah. for. She has, her, fall. <laughs> she, she has her headphones in. So it takes her a few minutes to hear the loud banging noise coming from downstairs. She goes to investigate and finds her uncle banging on a wall and then he punches a mirror and breaks it he turns around with this totally fucked up grin on his face and he goes oh hi laura and now i do fully regret calling him the hot one so (laughs) 
Um, so, or no, I'm sorry, wifey and Wino are at the school working on the fundraiser still. And Wino's like, hey, I love you. Be careful. Don't fuck your husband's brother. That would be super weird. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Everyone needs a best friend like Wino who keeps you just <laughs> enough down to earth. Like her feet are just barely touching the ground, but they're there. Yeah. And so suddenly wifey gets a call from Laura and she has to rush home. She runs in and finds Laura wrapping up David's hand. He says he was trying to move the mirror and it slipped and broke into a million pieces, cutting his hand. Everyone, sorry, this is all no big deal at all. They all kind of laugh it off and David assures them that he's totally fine. Um, After Laura leaves the room to go get ready for her date, he finally confesses that he's just really stressed out because he lost his job. The dangerous catch Discovery Channel company has shut down. Oh, no. Wifey says she would offer him a glass of water, but clearly he needs booze. So they drink wine together. Um, They toast and wifey tells David about how she too lost her job once when she quit it, which is not the same. (laughs) (laughs) Laura comes downstairs to surprise them before she heads out on her date and David splashes wine everywhere for reasons I don't know why um is he trying to toast her like was it like an upward no, she like shocks him and he's like <laughs> oh. um, so wifey is like oh my gosh David what are you doing tonight and he's like oh I'm watching chick flicks with you and so it cuts to them watching these chick flicks, except they're more of the 50 shades or three, six, five variety and less of like 10 things I hate about you. Oh, what a good movie. I need to watch that again soon. There's nothing wrong with that, except maybe those aren't the kind of movies you should be watching with your brother. And Right. right. No, no, no. I was, I was just going to go right past the, the horny chick flick and onto the like I need to watch some Heath Ledger. Mm. Speaking of horny chick flicks, okay, sorry. <laughs> um so they also sit and talk about their hopes and dreams. Wifey mentions that she might want to go to law school and David's like, oh my God, I'll be your housewife. And I was like, girl, this is your husband's brother. Does does nobody see that this is wrong and bad and not gonna lead to good things? No? Just me? Okay. Um, Laura comes home from her date and is making out with her boyfriend in the car. Um, wifey's out hanging up laundry. Naturally, she starts to go through David's things like you do. And she finds a release letter from a hospital where he checked himself out against, uh, medical advice for psychosis and delusions, which I feel like is not something you can check yourself out for AMA. I don't know that answer, and Dr. Sarah's already asleep. Can't they do a... I mean, I feel like that would be like a fifty-one fifty situation, but... Yeah, but there's... But maybe after that, you can check yourself out. I say there's a time limit on a fifty-one fifty. Seventy-two 50 72 hours. I don't know. Anyway. Um, I feel like the family as a whole doesn't spend enough time on this issue going forward, so I just want to say that on the back end. And that says a lot, like, coming from you who doesn't think it's right to go through people's shit. Yeah. 
Uh, Laura, meanwhile, is still making out with Ron in the car. She tells him to slow down and pushes him off her. He apologizes, but then immediately tries to pull her top off again. And guess who's there to pull him out of the car and beat the shit out of him? Ed McMahon with a giant check. Oh, that's a callback. (laughs) (laughs) It's Uncle David. That's the shirt we need to make. Next merch is just an old zombie Ed McMahon with a big ass check. Poor Ed McMahon. (laughs) Okay, so the cops come and Eric is like sticking up for his brother. He's like, um, this is totally what I would do. And the officer is like, sir, he hospitalized a minor. But thankfully, Ron's father, the minor's father, thought that Ron deserved a ass beating. So it's all good. And he's not pressing charges. Oh God, this must have happened in my hometown. What the fuck? This must have happened where I grew up. Well, son, I told you that if his... If her daddy had a shotgun, he was going to shoot you. You should have you should have listened to me. So, yeah, they just let him go. And Eric assures Wifey that David only did what he would have done. Um, so Wifey goes and tucks Laura in. She says she's she shouldn't. Oh, God, this made me mad. Laura's like, I shouldn't have worn that dress. And I was like, oh, no, bitch, that's not 2021 energy. Nope. Um. Wifey's like, oh, no, everything's fine. You can wear whatever you want. So that's good on her. Um, Oh, thank God for Wifey there. She also assures Laura that Uncle David is leaving soon. And so then after she tucks her daughter into bed, she goes upstairs and fights with her husband about why David has a record and she didn't know. Um, David comes out of his room and overhears Eric telling Wifey about how David killed someone that one time. But it's fine. It was a long time ago. No big deal. And wifey's like, he murdered someone and her husband. I shit you not. Says it was just one time. No, he says, um, it was manslaughter. Uh, 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 <laughs> and that is where in this movie I was like, I can't. I'm done. Like, I can't. So Eric is like, my bad. I totally should have told you. I'm going to go sleep on the couch. And so wifey cries herself to sleep. Meanwhile, Uncle David goes to the bar and starts drinking. The same fighting guy that was there the last time is there again, still starting fights. Can I tell you a funny story real quick? Of course. So I was just writing the word manslaughter because, you know, I write down possible episode titles as we go. Um, And it reminded me of we did a mock trial in my classroom before the snow, you know? <laughs> and Yes. I remember hearing about the mock uh-huh. trial. Tell me. Oh more. yeah. There were so many good things, but um, one of the things I didn't send you was when one of my students came and in 100% seriousness, because I'd sent them resources to like research to see like what kind of case they were going to build mm-hmm. against the, the, um, so for our audience, we did a, a mock trial for the narrator of Telltale Heart to see whether he was guilty of murdering the old man he lived with or not guilty by a reason of insanity. Or okay, I one, one, I love that story. Two, I wish I would have been in your English class growing up. I would have rocked the shit out of it. Okay. Right? Proceed. And then I also went with like a forced confession 
And we did lots of stuff, talked about forced confession. Um, And so, but one of my students came up and like completely honestly went, Mr. Adams, what's man's laughter? (laughs) And I was like, baby, it's what I'm doing right now at you. I'm so sorry. (laughs) So... I can't remember the story that you told us. The other story that was so funny. The kid who wanted to be a jury when he grows up. (laughs) He wanted to be a jury when he grows up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Here, I'll pull up the whole conversation there. I feel like there was something, too, about the the prosecution and the defense. It it was the same kid is the worst part. I didn't want to tell y'all that at the time, but so he said, Mr. Adams, am I, <laughs> am I the defense of the prostitution? That was it. And I said, you're, you're neither. You're, you're not, you're not the a single one of those. Neither of those things. And so, so when he finally got through through that um he then says wait so the jury just listens to stuff and then says guilty or not guilty and i was like well yes they decide you know based on evidence presented i said they decide whether you know if there's reasonable doubt that this suspect committed the crime and if there's reasonable doubt then it's their responsibility to vote not guilty um, and he said, so the judge doesn't decide, the jury does? And I said, exactly. And he goes, oh, bet. I'm going to be a jury when I grow up. Everybody's going to be free. I'm going to be a, this is the generation that we are raising. I'm going to be a, bet, bet. I'm going to be a jury when I grow up. Fuck me. Oh, my God. I just blinked because I started, I started this whole mini unit by explaining how jury duty works. and like your civic duty to serve on the jury. So like we'd already covered all of that. Bet. Bet. <laughs> but we had fun. We that, had fun. Yeah. You know, I would have loved your class when I was a kid. Okay. So um while he's at the bar, the fighting guy is there. Um Eric is laying on the couch having flashbacks of that time David killed someone, you know. <laughs> it was only man's laughter. So my fighty guy is stumbling home and David confronts him and murders him. (laughs) What? Is that the video you sent me? No, 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 we're getting to that. We're getting to that. Oh my God. But this is where he gets the gun for that video. (laughs) I'm saying you. Okay. (laughs) So the next morning. Oh, oh no! I so I I just have to say. So like David confronts this drunk fighty guy and kills him. And again, like maybe it's because the police don't have time to investigate before everything else goes down in the story. But this is an extremely underrepresented underrepresented victim in this story. If they, they took the AMA and the actual murder of another person, they were like, that's not important. <laughs> we don't need that. We're going to go with this. Okay. 
so the next morning, Eric and wifey are talking and she's like, mm, by the way, I know things are super nuts right now. And your brother uh, tried to kill our daughter's boyfriend. And the fact that I just found out he killed someone before yesterday. But also, I feel like I should tell you that I totally had feelings for him. Sorry. Like, <laughs> Listen, I, if we tried to smash, that's the long and short of it. I changed my bullet journal. There's a new circle. Yeah. And Eric, it just says David. Eric is like, are you in love with him? And she's like, no, no, I am not in love with him. I just want to lick his abs while he fixes the washing machine. <laughs> she's like, I've been placing full sandwiches in the fridge for him every day in hopes that it will make him stay. Yeah. I mean, listen, wifey needs to get laid. Okay. So, <laughs> um, this is all fine though, because like they make up. Oh, and she's also like, oh, by the way, he's also like much nicer to me than you are. So just like constructive criticism. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> can, can you imagine? She's like, I'm still fucking pissed at you, even though like your brother kills people for funsies. Like he's kind of sweet. He's like a really nice guy. Like, have you seen how many abs he has though? Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, except for like seven personality traits that are undesirable it's All like seven those women, abs make up for seven undesirable personality traits it's like the the people who write letters to the prisoners that they're in love with that like i the apologist for like the ted bundy's of the world ted bundy was not hot come at me yeah. okay yeah. um so eric is like I'm totally going to be nicer and I'm going to work less and would be there for you more. And then he's like, I'm also going to kick David out when we go on our fishing trip today. And I was like, Oh shit, they haven't even gone fishing yet. <laughs> um, meanwhile, David is downstairs trying to play off the fact that he definitely like killed someone in the middle of the street for no reason last night. So um, as wifey is about to leave the house, she finds David sitting on the couch with the crazy eyes and he's like, hey, you want some company? And she's like, no. Nope. <laughs> Listen, I, I did want company, but then I remembered I have a thing down at the place, down at the, at this, I have to go drink some wine in the school parking lot, bye. Yeah. Um. So thankfully, Eric comes out. He's like, bye, honey. Have a good day. And she's like, mm, have fun fishing. Fishing. Have fun. Good times. Love fish. Bye. And she leaves like, <laughs> So wifey drives to the school and this is wait, David called her Kay. I thought it was just an initial. Is her name just <laughs> Kay? Oh my god. This movie is over in like 10 minutes. <laughs> um Let's see. David and Eric go fishing, but they're not fishing. They're just drinking beer on a bench. And is that what fishing is? Have I been doing fishing wrong this whole time? Oh, when when guys go fishing, that's what they're doing. They're just drinking beer wherever they settle down. It, I mean, don't you fish on a boat? Like, isn't there a boat involved? Depends on how drunk they want to get. Okay. Um, anyways. Uh... This fundraiser at the school is basically a prom, but during the daytime. So I have so many questions about what is happening. I cannot imagine a worse prom. Um, wait, 
Wifey assures Laura that Dave won't be at the event and won't be there when they get home. Back at the fishing spot, Eric tells David he should maybe, like, move out. And David's like, this is just because I beat up that dude, isn't it? And Eric's like, "Uh, my teenage daughter's underage boyfriend? This is, like, kind of, yeah, that's kind of it. Um, And... And David says, oh, well, he's a punk anyway, which is not incorrect, but still. (laughs) He's still like 16 and a half. He's got one chest hair, dude. Leave him alone. Then Eric says he told wifey about what happened with Mike, who I'm guessing is the dead jock dude. So um, and he's like, I can't defend you anymore, dude. And Dave is like, LOLOLOL, you're defending me. Last time I checked, I defended you. You'd be dead right now if it wasn't for me. I killed that guy for you. Uh oh. (laughs) Oh my God. And he says all this while jabbing a knife in Eric's general direction, which I just take as a threat generally. So I don't know why Eric is still sitting there. So really, maybe what happens next is all Eric's fault. (laughs) I would also like to point out that I am trusting that what you're telling me is the exact script that you have transcribed, like court transcriptionist style, Mm -hmm. and that this is true to the letter of the movie. It is. Um, Okay. So David reiterates that he saved him that day, which got him real far in life while Eric seemed to do just fine. And Eric's like, well, I'm sorry I didn't kill that guy. And you did. My bad. What the hell is happening? But David's like, thanks to you, I have nothing. And Eric's like, you can't keep blaming your whole life on this moment. But David screams back that he absolutely can. And I'm going to side with David here and say that he can actually do that. <laughs> actually, in this instance. And it's not because David is particularly sane. It's because theoretically, if that thing never happened, his life would be monumentally better. Presumably. Right. <laughs> David tells Eric that he's just jealous because Laura sees him as a father she never had and that wifey is also in love with him. And I had to pause the movie because I was laughing so hard. <laughs> I was like, no, bro, that's not what's happening here at all. Um, okay, and this is where I sent you the clip. Eric, for the text that just said, I'm going straight to hell. Like, just for context, all I got was this clip and the words, I'm going straight to hell. (laughs) Eric tells David that he's delusional, so David obviously pulls out a gun and shoots him. (laughs) And the look on Eric's face is just what they should put in the dictionary under the audacity. can't even take the gunshot seriously because they show the wound and there's just fake blood like pouring out of it it looks like day old jello like it does not even look like real good fake blood david says sorry brother and then shoots him again eric meanwhile obviously drops to his knees and then face first into the ground oh god Right as he gets a text um, at, from Laura asking for a ride because wifey's still busy, can't take her home at her boyfriend's hospital. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
God, you're having way too much fun with this. So David picks up the phone and texts back, I'm on my way. So Laura's standing outside when Uncle David pulls up. He convinces Laura to get in the car, but thankfully Wino is outside, like drinking her wine and watching everything. <laughs> I just believe at this point, she's just migrated up to like, like the big thing of Boone's farm. <laughs> like it's not even good wine. She watches them pull out of the parking lot and immediately runs and tells wifey. So David gives Laura a smoothie that of course has drugs in it. And then she's like, what did you give me? And he's like, go to sleep. So she, Oh God, I can't. I'm so sorry. Call the end of this movie is so fucking weird. Okay. I feel real bad when I tell you the true story. I'm sure I will. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, um, back at the fishing spot, Eric is dead or dying with his phone laying next to him ringing. Um, Wifey rushes home and finds Laura asleep in her bed. The family photo that's been central to this whole movie is on the floor, just with Eric's head cut out. Uh oh. I can't. Okay. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay, okay, okay. Um. So, Wifey tries to get Laura out of the house, but David bursts in with his gun. Wifey asks where Eric is, and David tells her she shouldn't have woken up Laura because this is all going to be a tough transition for her. And then he motions him over to the couch. He tells her not to pretend that Eric was some kind of fantastic husband and father. (laughs) And I wrote, I swear to baby Jesus, this is like the sister-sister story, and she just marries this dude. I'm going to lose my shit. (laughs) I like how we don't even know the title anymore. We just call it Sister, Sister, and suddenly this is about Tia and Tamara Maori. It may have been. I don't know. David starts waxing poetic about how amazing he's been for the family. He says he deserves the family and Eric hasn't done anything for them. Wifey asks David if Eric is dead and Laura asks if he'll let them go. But he says they're not going anywhere because there's finally a real man in this house. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. (laughs) No. This is where you and I both get shot because we start looking around for the real man. We're like pulling out drawers. Like, is he in here? (laughs) This is definitely where I would Pull his shirt pocket out. Like, is he in there? (laughs) Oh, oh, no. There is a thing where I tell people something. Hold on. Um, Over at the fishing hole, there's a man walking down the path whistling who's about to have a really bad day. So... (laughs) Um, he finds Eric, who is thankfully alive, and I don't want to shit on the Good Samaritan, but he's like, oh my god, what happened? And then he rolls Eric over, and he's like, you've been shot, I'm calling 911. And I'm 100% the smartass that would be like, I don't need a running fucking commentary. Just call the cops. So to all of our listeners and beyond, if you ever find me injured and I'm a gigantic asshole to you, I'm sorry. It's probably been a rough day for me. (laughs) Just let her bleed out. (laughs) Anyways, Eric chokes out that his wife and kid are in danger before passing out. Wifey is trying to talk David off the ledge and he agrees with every, or she like agrees with every last thing he says. 
I don't know why, but I'm kind of waiting for Laura to like fuck this up for her and be like, why are you defending him? <laughs> but she doesn't. <laughs> <think> like, um, <laughs> Can you imagine that's what does them in? Like, shut up. Like, God. Thankfully, she doesn't. Um, Wifey is laying it on thick and she is good. David puts down the gun and runs to her. Laura joins in the game and like hypes him up about how amazing he is. And I'm like, can someone just grab the gun, please? Anyone? Um, That's when, what was the boyfriend with the old man's name? Ron. Ron just appears. Oh, that would have been amazing. <laughs> at um, this point, they're just throwing every trope that Lifetime's ever used at this movie. Listen, so you're not wrong. <laughs> David swears things are going to be different now and he kisses wifey and we haven't had one of these, excuse me, since the aforementioned sister, sister movie, but we get a real live bona fide, a lifetime original fight scene. Yes. Laura grabs the gun and um, David lunges after her and probably breaks her wrist because I don't think your arm's supposed to bend that way. Um, so she drops it. Wifey hops up with a knee to the groin, but he grabs her and throws her back on the couch. She gets up and rushes over to Laura, and David has the gun again. Wifey's like, you're a sick son of a bitch. And he just screams, Eric is dead. Your old life is over. It's me now. <laughs> I don't know why, but I decided that he sang it. Like, it suddenly became a musical. Yeah. Just for this scene. Um... It's also now that the police decide to come in with lights and sirens. And, like, nobody thought that through before making the call. Can you imagine, like, the beat cop that's like, mm, Sergeant, like, um, you're smarter than me, obviously. But uh, what if we didn't announce our presence nine blocks before we get there? <laughs> right. And the sergeant's like, son, it is rude not to knock on a door before you go inside. Learn some manners, okay? So... <laughs> <laughs> So now I'm like, oh, Dave's going to kill them. So wifey begs him to just let Laura go and she'll protect him. The cops bust in. And hey, it's the detective that let him go earlier because Laura's boyfriend deserved an ass kicking. Hey, girl. Like, So because David is white, he gets shot in the arm and taken into custody. They do handcuff his shot arm, though, which probably hurt. And I'm happy. Um, fast forward to sometime later. Wifey is studying for something and Eric comes in on his cane with some grilled chicken. And I was like, aw. Um, wifey tells him dinner looks great and they kiss. They talk about how Laura won a math championship, which is totally a thing. Everyone's happy. Um, they all talk about how the good dinner is. And Eric jokes about who's going to watch Channing Tatum movies with him now that everyone else is in school. And everyone laughs. The end. And there's no ending text, so I don't even know if this is a real story. <laughs> I, for the for the first time in a long time, I'm legitimately jealous that I did not watch a film. And I am, yes, I'm calling this a film. This is a work of pure art. There is no other expression. Y'all, I'm going to save, I'm going to save the Instagram story I posted earlier of this clip into our archives. Just go watch it. It is, uh, like, the Golden Globes really slept on this one, okay? So... So this this lifetime did in fact bill as one of their movies based in true events. Um I did some research. It's not real. It 
was inspired by somebody said the word brother-in-law and somebody said psycho and they um, decided okay. there was a movie there. I assume that this all happened during the brainstorm for the sister sister movie. I had two of. They were like, "What if she marries her dead twins' husband and they don't tell their kids?" And then the other one is like, "What if there's a brother in law, right, who tries right. to date his brother's wife?" And they were like, "Brilliant, let's go." So, since I cannot bring you the story that inspired that movie. I instead found the story of an actually psycho brother-in-law that I think should have inspired a Lifetime movie. Does Sarah have a brother? Sarah does have a brother. Is this story about him? It is not about him. Okay. Um, However, when I told Sarah that, that that movie was not based in a true story, she was like, well, do I just need to talk about your brothers for a couple of hours into the microphone? Because I can. (laughs) So shout out to y'all. That would be a really good story. (laughs) Be a really good episode. I've heard some of your brother's stories. So um, I'm gonna text Sarah unrelated BRB. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you're ready for a ride. I am. Okay. I mean, I just took you on a ride, so in. Yeah, I was not I was not even prepared, like close to prepared for what you just told me. I you know, you know this. I even and I tried swore, to prepare you. I was like, look I'm, at this nonsense. By by a hundred and five episodes, surely our listeners know that I don't read a whole lot about your movies so that I can be surprised by it, but like holy shit. So all right. So in like August I said, 19- that was either horrible or the funniest shit you've ever heard. There is no in between. None. Right. Um, so in August 1989, Calvin Acosta was feeling overwhelmed. His brother-in-law had been murdered while on a work trip. His sister had become a recluse, having locked herself away in mourning. And he was tr- drowning, trying to keep the family business afloat. This had never been his dream, but he felt it was his obligation to keep things going until things settled down for his family and they were able to select a new CEO for their manufacturing company, Inkist Manufacturing. Okay. But things seemed to start to turn around for Calvin and his family when Edward Tyler came into their lives. Edward was young, enterprising, and handsome. He had a mind for business and proved to be an asset for Inkist Manufacturing from his very first day. Despite the 20-year age difference between Edward and Phoebe Acosta, Calvin's sister, they fell instantly in love. Mm, which, did they know? Um, and then later, somewhere, I have a rant in my notes about love at first sight, but um, I apparently said that Love at first sight is just lust. Uh-huh. Thank you for coming to my uh, TED Talk. There were apparently no red flags to indicate to Calvin that he should be worried about Edward until it was much too late. I saw a TikTok video the other day that was like me bringing the red flags to my best friend that she's missing. And I feel like this lady needed that guy. Right. So when Edward Apollo Tyler was a baby, he was abandoned, literally left swaddled in a field outside of Terrell, Texas. So this is like kind of a hometown for us. Yeah, kind of. And also that's really (laughs) shitty. Don't leave newborn babies in fields. That's horrible. 
His parents were never located, but a wealthy family took him in and adopted him, raising him in a loving home and providing for his, his every need. His father, Ted, was a successful businessman and pushed Edward to work hard in school. His mother had these like dreams of Ivy League schools. They doted on Edward his entire life. For the most part, he was this like normal, well-adjusted kid, if not a little spoiled, but you know, he was like your typical country club brat. What year is this again? Um, so he was, he was born in the late sixties, mid sixties. Okay. I'm just trying to think of like, whether I, I was clearly not alive then. Not that old, no. but okay. No, but, um, all this went down in 1989. So you were a li- you were a young kid. I was uh, late, late 90s and early uh, late 80s and early 90s. I mean, um, a baby. So quote: We never thought about how it might affect him. Cynthia Tyler, his mother, told Texas Monthly, but we never told him he was adopted. It just didn't seem important. He was ours to us. That was all that mattered. Oh, God, but Edward would. Right? Don't do that. But Edward would later say that he always felt like he was different than the rest of his family. He became fixated and obsessed with this feeling that he was somehow different than those around him. And he began began visiting, visiting a local psychic, this woman who was known to take people's money and issue like these really bizarre predictions and prophecies. Um, she was eventually arrested and charged with fraud, but not before she'd taken like thousands of dollars from Edward. Oh, honey. Yeah. Um, and so later in this interview, Cynthia said, quote, one night he snapped. He told us that Madame Delphinium had said he was going to kill his father, among other unmentionable and ridiculous things. He was on a rampage and we didn't know what to do. Cool. Like so, maybe stop giving a psychic all your money to tell you weird shit like that. Right. So the Tylers did what any respectable kind of very wealthy family do with their unstable, rich white son. They sent him away to school. Yep. Um, tracks. <laughs> so um, using their connections, their money, they, they helped Edward get into university of Texas where he studied business. Um, okay. Also sending your kid to UT is not sending him away to school. No, it was close enough to keep an eye on him, but far enough away that he wasn't going to like, I don't know, snap and kill his dad, which I guess was a concern of theirs. <laughs> I don't think it's that far. Terrell's not that uh, far away from Boston. No. Um, he spent four years living this, living the life of like this rich, unstable playboy. He never joined a fraternity, but that didn't stop him from hosting these wild parties. Um you know, they were like cocaine, liquor, all the drugs and everything you can imagine. He was just like that playboy who saw women as conquests, you know, like you, the Rich, typical playboy, every uh-huh. guy I dated in college. <laughs> yep. Um, the whole nine yards. He was 18 years old. He had more money than God. And he was trying to forget this like horrible prophecy that was planted in his head that he was obviously obsessed with. Therapy. Yes, that's rich white people. Don't send your kids away to school. Send them to therapy. You're welcome. So somehow, despite drinking himself to blackout and excessive drug use, he maintained his spot on the dean's list and graduated with honors. And so right out of college, he landed a good internship in Austin and began climbing his way up the corporate ladder. 
um, it became clear that aside from his family's money and connections, he actually had like a penchant for business. Um, and he had a knack for seeing problems in like companies infrastructure. And he was really good at seeing ways to increase productivity. Okay, and yeah, like I tried to research what that meant, but I'm an English teacher, so I know nothing about business, but like productivity, I think is important. So we're people yes, want to make um, money. Productivity <laughs> is actually very important when it comes to business. Yeah, I figured as much. So like yeah. he was a, he was a, a useful asset. Apparently people liked him. Well, if you can point out like where companies are losing production value, that is actually very valuable. Right. Um, So anyway, he was apparently very good at what he did. And all of that was independent of daddy's money. So I guess good for him. Um, So one night during this internship, intoxicated on some unidentified mixture of drugs and alcohol, Edward was stumbling... Edward was stumbling his way home down an alley when he ran into an older man who was also drunk. Um, According to Edward's later testimony or confession, um, the older man began to scream at him and berate him for being in his way. It was his Um, dad. (laughs) No. (laughs) Edward tried to just move past the man, he says, but the man wouldn't allow him to pass. And so the altercation turned physical. According to Edward's testimony, he tried to struggle away from the man, but the man wouldn't let him go. Something in Edward snapped, and he lashed out violently. When the man fell, he kept kicking him repeatedly until the man wasn't moving anymore. Between the adrenaline and the drugs in his system, Edward left, ran for his apartment, and swore to get sober. He never breathed a word of this alleyway run-in to anybody until many, many years later. So... After that, Edward was noticeably changed. His partying stopped like immediately. His friend yeah, group I changed. I assume that killing someone is like the kick in the pants you need to, to get right. off the sauce. Right. So um, his he kind of changed his friend group pretty, you know, like pretty immediately. Um, he went from the party crowd he'd been known to associate with to this very professional um, the Austinites who were really building Austin into the 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 business and tech world that it is today. He was kind of that the were front end of that. making Austin weird, right? Um, because that was the kind of the front end of like the Dells moving in and all of that. Um, so he spent his evenings networking and climbing the social and professional ladder. He was determined to make a name for himself independent of his parents' money. Like that was his goal. He wanted to prove that he was not just his parents' money. Um, so a year into his rebirth as this serious professional, Edward was at this networking event when he overheard talk of Inkist Manufacturing, a company that made packaging and shipping products. He knew nothing of packaging and shipping, but he knew business and he knew productivity. He also knew that their interim CEO, Calvin Acosta, was tired of running things by himself, and he'd been trying to find a COO for some time. He tried to fill the position internally, but nobody had been the right fit, so he was beginning to look from outside the company. Edward knew it was a long shot because he was young and didn't have a whole lot of experience, but he had good references, good connections, and he was charming. And those things have worked for generations of white men before him. So why not him too? It was the 80s. <laughs> right. Um, so he went out There's on no a limb. credit score. Right. Um, he went out on a limb. He called Mr. Acosta's meeting, uh, secretary, and he set up a meeting. 
Um, so um, Calvin Acosta recalled that first meeting in an interview. He said, Edward was an incredible speaker. I was leery at first because he reminded me a little of a tele televangelist. He was oddly motivating Most and I felt we needed are. Yeah. I felt we needed that in our company. That was something my brother-in-law Lawrence had. He was inspiring. I thought maybe bringing Edward in would bring that same spark back to back to Inkist. I didn't realize what we were getting into. You know, and especially when you get those people that are really good at motivation and like sales. Like I used to have a boss and he was really fucking annoying, but also like really good at his job. And he would come in and be like, um, talk about like, we're not saying happy Friday anymore. We're saying happy Monday. And like, and everybody wanted to punch him in the face, but also he was really fucking good at his job. So. Uh Uh-huh. So I am not that person at my current job. But the job that I left that drained me to pieces, as you know, Mm -hmm. um, that job, I was that person there. And the atmosphere has noticeably changed since I left. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting about him is, is that job is, is my old job, like my. Right. And um, it drained the hell out of him too. But since he's left, He's managed to keep that enthusiasm and just direct it elsewhere, which is admirable. Right. Which I think maybe I have kept that energy just in other other um, aspects. Yeah. Avenues. Yeah, yeah. Like like See, I put into me, myself like, making I have, and, and like I have that drive. I don't have it for that particular thing. So Right. Um So anyway, so Edward was given a trial run as COO. He worked underneath Calvin. He was given six months to do all the tasks. Yeah, I don't know. He was given six months to like operate a COO and see how it went. Why are Um, men? Right. (laughs) Um, He oversaw the daily operations. He performed employee reviews. He started implementing new plans to increase productivity. He even started building like better relationships with the companies that stocked their products. Mm-hmm. He was very good at his job and where everybody else had failed, he was flourishing. It took almost no time to realize that he was the man for the job. Um, but it was a family owned company and Phoebe was a partial owner after the death of her husband. So before a decision like this could be made, she would have to be brought in. Mm-hmm. So when Phoebe Acosta, Jacobson was her married name, but she, um, she maintained her, her maiden name, um, mm-hmm. entered the room for the first time. Edward Tyler said it felt like time stood still. Oh, God. She was the most beautiful woman he had ever seen. Her hair was pulled back in a tight bun and her brown eyes held his attention. Um, and he mentioned that she looked like old money and not like the new money people he'd grown up around. So like, okay, look buddy, like you're just obsessed money? with money. Yeah, looks like old money is not like a attribute she was a breath of fresh air after the new money show-offs was like a quote and i'm like um so you're just again has less to do with her beauty with how beautiful she is which means nothing and more to do with the fact that you saw that she was an old rich lady there's and here's where my quote was i mean my rant was i'm sorry can we talk about how love at first sight is not a thing and then 
And then I went into a rant, but we covered that already in a couple he's, places. He, now, no, he's so. all, he, it wasn't even less. It was bank account at first sight. Yep. Um, Phoebe was also very taken with Edward. He was handsome and something about her, about him reminded her of her late husband. He was driven and had the same um, spark in his eyes that Lawrence had at th- that age, she'd said. Um, she trusted her brother's choice and agreed to hire Edward within like basically minutes of first meeting him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so things were just falling into place for Edward Tyler. Sure. So soon Edward had grown inkist by 25% and things were running more smoothly than they had, than they had even before Lawrence had been murdered. Um, Edward was able to stop depending on his parents' fortune and was like kind of amassing his own. Um, and whenever his own like evaluation came up, he was prepared to ask for a raise, but Calvin offered it to him even before he had to ask. Um, Calvin was so impressed with his work. Um, and even more importantly, with how little that Calvin himself had to be like in the manufacturing plant Mm-hmm. because he didn't actually want to work there, but he felt out of obligation to the family company that he owed it there, um, sure. that he enjoyed being the CEO of a successful company that got to sit. Oh, my um, air pods are about to die. Hold please. Okay. We're back after my headphones died. Um, Anyway, so he enjoyed, like, not having to actually work and still make lots of money. So, like, same. If anyone can find me a job like that. Patreon.com slash Lifetime Sentence. Um, yeah. Except yes. We've had to work really hard tonight. This recording <laughs> has kicked my ass. Yeah, yeah, same. Um, all right, so... Edward and Phoebe began to see each other. They kept it a secret at first for fear that it would look as though he had only gotten the position because she'd been interested in him. Um, but it became obvious to both of them that they were in love. Were they though? Um, by September of 1990, they were engaged and Edward had moved out of his luxury condo and into her $6 million home in the hills of Austin. Okay. So like, I'm jealous. Cause that I'm just, sounds okay. Amazing. So I'm curious, like he says he liked her because she was old money. Did he consider himself new money? Yes, his dad was That's new money. Interesting because generally people that are new money don't see themselves that way. Yeah. Yeah. It was very no. odd. Um so let's see. A year later, Edward and Phoebe welcomed their first child into the world. He was twenty six and she was forty five years old. That face says it all. <laughs> um, look, I'm not saying that being 45 and having a baby is a terrible idea. If you are prepared for that, that is great. But just I feel wait. like there's something else afoot here. Oh, just wait, because within four years, they had four children. Within no! five years, they had four children. <laughs> uh huh. No. Anne, Esme, Paul, and Oakley. Four children. Okay. Back to back to back. I like the name Esme. I hate the name Oakley. Is it a kid or sunglasses? You decide. <laughs> well, that was that was. I'm not surprises. new money. I'm going to name my kid Oakley. What? Well, 
Apparently, that name was the bad luck name because after the birth of Oakley, their luck changed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Called it. <laughs> you know what's just- a perfectly acceptable name? Catherine. <laughs> well, Oakley's a boy, so not that okay. you can't name a boy Catherine, but it just doesn't seem like them. Thomas. Christopher. Okay. <laughs> Those are old money names. Fucking Oakley. Get out of here with that shit. So, Ingest began to experience the worst production years they'd ever seen. Workplace accidents led to injuries and lawsuits. Companies began to stop carrying their products in favor of other companies. Um, and Edward's hopes and dreams of amassing his own wealth began to fade from right before his eyes. Yeah, you know why? Because kids are expensive. Nothing he seemed to do could fix the issues that arose. As soon as he fixed one problem, three more seemed to crop up. Um, The technological landscape was changing, and so was the manufacturing world, and Inkist was having trouble keeping up. So one day, Edward burst into Calvin's office with a crazed look in his eye. I, you're muted. You said something and you're muted. Oh, I said, great. That can only lead to good things. Uh-huh. So in an interview, Calvin recalled this strange interaction. He said um, that, Ed, that Edward had said, I need to ask you for a favor. I need you to find somebody for me. She'll know how to help us. So Calvin listened as Edward spiraled into this crazed rant about guess who? his psychic no yes yes i almost said ed mcmahon with a giant check but i couldn't get it out in time and that's why you do the bits on this show and i don't yeah so they're like the woman who's been arrested for fraud yes oh honey no Calvin said, quote, I couldn't take him seriously, but I couldn't not take him seriously. He was I mean, crazy. you absolutely <laughs> could have not taken him seriously. Well, like, Calvin, not I feel us- like you bear some responsibility. Here. I didn't know what he'd do if I said I didn't believe him, which like, OK, don't tell him to his face. You don't believe him. I feel you on that. No, but it'd be like, oh, she died. <laughs> I-, I heard about it on the news. Isn't that sad? <laughs> Um, she hit her head and lost all her memory. She doesn't know who you are, bro. Bye. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, At least so, negotiate with terrorists in this organization. <laughs> what so, is happening? Edward's obsessive rant went on for 45 minutes before Calvin finally just agreed to go find Madame Delphinium for him. He said, quote, I said you looked and she wasn't there. I didn't know what else to do. I figured agreeing was the safest thing for all of us. He really seemed like he might snap if I told him no. Cal, a word. (laughs) So under the guise of a business trip, Calvin left in search of Madame Delphinium. No! Arrested, charged, served time, and released for fraud. While Edward ran operations at home, Calvin made his way to Terrell in hopes to find some trace of this former psychic. After some work, he tracked her down, still living in Terrell, but under a new name. She no longer advertised her services as a psychic, but when he knocked on the door, he still got this, like, he said he still got this feeling that for the right price, she'd give a reading. And I'm like, I mean, yes, obviously. Like, 
I, if somebody came to my house and was like, I've got $300, can you read my tarot? I know nothing about tarot, but for $300, I'll make some shit up. You know, I'm not mad. I, I'm just disappointed. <laughs> um, just kidding. I'm pissed. But what is happening? Calvin said when he told Madame Delphinium about Edward's insistence that he visit her, she went completely rigid. And then she looked Calvin straight in the eyes and said, I've been afraid this day would come. And she handed Calvin this sealed envelope with Edward's name on it pushed him out the door and locked the door behind him and refused to open the door back up when he asked for more information. Um, oh no, it is so, raining. And you know what? No, I'm not here for that shit right now. <laughs> so it sounded like ice pelting my window and I literally had a flashback. <laughs> oh no. So Calvin returns to Austin. He meets up with Edward and he gives him this letter from Madame Delphinium. Calvin. <laughs> no, no. Edward opens the letter and flies into this absolute fit, screaming at Calvin, demanding he leaves, asking him what kind of sick fucking joke he's playing. Calvin said that he feared for his life and for his family, afraid that Edward was going to snap and kill them all. So he calls 911, reporting that his brother-in-law was crazed and dangerous. Um, so I'm, I'm sorry, you didn't realize that before, before you visited or the psychic you or like feel like you were in immediate danger before, like what what prompted the call to 911 exactly apparently the ranting and screaming and like i don't know but what about the ranting and screaming before the first time i don't know so when the police arrived edward readily went with them offering them the note from madame delphinium the note said that the hard times for their company were caused because edward had killed his father but that made no sense because his parents were alive and well in Terrell. He talked to them almost every day. They doted on their grandchildren. They were involved. Oh my in God. He's adopted. And then it all came out. Son of a bitch. Quote, we didn't know what to tell him. Cynthia said later, we knew that we'd failed him and that we, he would never forgive us. We thought we'd done what was best for our son. But when we finally told him he was adopted, he fell apart. So Edward's parents came to Austin to stay with Phoebe and the kids while Edward recovered from his psychiatric break. They spent several nights there helping with the kids, cooking and cleaning and doing everything they could to kind of like stabilize things for the family while I, Edward stayed and locked himself away in his study. I have a question. Uh-huh. This man had a psychiatric break. Uh -huh. After a psychic gave his brother-in-law a letter saying uh -huh. he killed his father. Uh -huh. During the midst of this psychiatric break, his adoptive parents were like, you know when's a good time to tell him he's adopted? <laughs> right now. Right now. Yep. Oh, oh no. It's yep. so bad. It's so, so bad. Um, so finally, Edward spent many nights locked in his study, but finally one night, um, he, he came into the guest room where his parents were staying and he shook his father awake. He said, I need to take, I need you to take me to the police station. I did something terrible. He wouldn't elaborate any further. And he refused to accept his dad's offer when his dad was like, well, we need to call an attorney. Like, I'm not taking you there. And he said, no, I just, I need to go talk to the police. 
Okay, but um, then why are they just continuing to take him to do the things that he wants to do? <laughs> so his dad drove him to the police station where he asked to speak with an officer and he confessed to killing a man in an alleyway in 1988. The police officer took his statement, asked to collect some DNA swabs. Was it his dad? To see if they could match him with any known no, murders. It took almost no time to match him with the murder of Lawrence Acosta, former owner of Incas Manufacturing, Acosta Jacobson is what I meant to type, but I typed Acosta, sorry. Um, former owner of Incas Manufacturing and his wife's first husband. Of greater interest to investigators was how closely their DNA matched. It was nearly identical to the DNA of Mr. Jacobson. And the, the DNA. Fake. I don't believe you anymore. The only way this was possible was if they were related. The only way th- this was possible, in fact, was if Mr. Co- uh, Mr. Jacobson had been Edward Tyler's father. Not releasing this information yet, investigators called Phoebe, telling her there'd been a break in her dead husband's case. They asked her if her husband had had any children that she knew of, and after a long silence, she broke down. She admitted that when she was 19 years old, she and her husband had abandoned their baby. They were young and they were trying to build a business, and her husband was convinced that this baby was going to be the end of him. So they abandoned when it. When you tell me what book this is, I'm going to be so fucking mad at you. I just She never to told you anybody. She never intended on it. Why did the police need to know now what changed? We believe we found your husband's murder and we believe it may be your son. The detective told Phoebe. She was shocked. How could that baby have survived? It was impossible. And then they told her the name of her abandoned baby. Edwardipus Rex Tyler. You are so welcome. Do you know how hard I work to modernize Oedipus Rex to tell you this story tonight? I hope (laughs) I hope that your family gets water back (laughs) but you specifically don't (laughs) just know I, I just I just want you to know that the gauntlet has been thrown. <laughs> and I take shit super seriously. And so I I just, I mean, I'm, be on the lookout because <laughs> God, I don't know when and I don't know where and I don't know how, but you are going to pay for this. <laughs> Dearly. I'm so mad right now. (laughs) I told Sarah, I was like, after 104 episodes, I feel confident that I can give this just enough details to make it sound like a real case until the very end where it has to be unrealistic because it's Oedipus Rex. And at some point it all has to come out. But like for a while, I could build this whole fucking case out of Oedipus Rex and I could make it believable. Sarah just also made the list. (laughs) Amy did not know because I did did not want to spoil the surprise for her as a listener. So Uh, yeah, (laughs) I will be confirming that on the back end through my contacts. (laughs) Oh, honey, it's going to be so bad for you someday. (laughs) You know, I'm a stone cold bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. 
<laughs> you know it was good. You have to it admit was. it. it was no, no, it was it was good. It, I mean, it was good, but you've also tapped into the part of me where yours can be good and mine has to be better. <laughs> Honey, like I'm gonna destroy your life one day and I may not even tell you what happened. I may just like watch you struggle. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> so now let me let me tell you all the get the jokes that I gave myself that now I'll clue you in on. So Oedipix's brother-in-law was named Creon, so I changed his name to Calvin because it was the closest I could come up with. Um <laughs> Inkist manufacturing is incest, but we just spelled this <laughs> we just pronounced the C differently. See, and what when you say <laughs> we, you are further incriminating your wife in this tale. <laughs> um Phoebe, the uh the wife, um, it's because this took place in Thebes. <laughs> um, because the, um, well, the actual wife slash mother. Um, hold on, let me look her name back up. Was Jocasta. And so I used that for their last name, Acosta. Mm. So I like, oh, Edward Apollo Tyler was the middle name I gave him because it was the um, Oracle. It like, it was Apollo's Oracle, the Oracle of Delphi. And that was mm-hmm. Madame Delphinium. I was mm-hmm. so proud of myself. <laughs> oh, oh, you're proud now. The mighty oh, will fall. I will be proud of this one forever. Mm, but you won't. <laughs> I can guarantee you. Ever. Mm. Oh, God. Please stay tuned, you guys, for the next two years, because at some point I'm going to make Paul cry and beg for his mama on this show. Also, the children, because you latched onto the children's names. Mm -hmm. So his four children are... Fucking Oakley, that's some bullshit, and I'm mad about it. <laughs> His four children were Antigone, who I named Anne. Uh huh. That makes Is- sense. Ismeni, who became Esme. Uh, Polynices became Paul, and then Eteocles. I couldn't name anything that resembled it, so I went with Oakley. <laughs> Dude, even I could have made that better for you. Mm-mm. Nope. Listen, Edward. It, it gave you a really good rant. Edward was the name I gave Oedipus. What? I'm, uh, oh, I'm sorry. His brother's <laughs> name can be Oakley, but they can't have the same fucking name? Nope. Uh-uh. Nope. <laughs> oh, boy. So. What's really funny is I know I've told our group this, and now I will tell our listeners this. I hate surprises so much. <laughs> That literally, if I was ever dating someone to the point where we were going to get engaged, I, I don't want to, I don't want a surprise. Perp- like, I don't want it. Like, aggressively do not want. So. I 100% forgot that. I do not regret any of it, but. <laughs> you will. It's fine. It's fine. You will someday. When you least expect it. 
All right. Well, hey, tell me what you're reading because we usually we were opening with that and then we ranted for a while. So, what are you reading? Um, I am reading how to make your friends cry. Perfect. <laughs> Just so you know, that's a very low, like a very low threshold for me. So, like, no. So I'm really <laughs> gonna enjoy the hell out of it. Um, I am reading. What am I reading right now? Actually, I don't even know. I read a bunch of books last week because I had no power. Um, I read The Wife Upstairs. Um, I know. Oh, is- that's the modernization of Jane Eyre. Yeah. I heard it's really good. No. Oh, no. I heard really good things about it. I gave it two stars and I'm a generous star giver. I hated it. I'm usually a generous star giver, star giver, but I gave two two stars this week. I hated it. Um, I'm sorry. Like I understand the the attempt. The attempt was made. There's so much missing from the story that I'm going to assume that they're that they are going to assume that you pull from knowing the story of Jane Eyre, but it doesn't work. The story leaves a lot of loose ends and a lot of weird, like, wait, how did that happen? And I didn't enjoy it. Um, I'm also still reading books promiscuously read and The Girl and the Goddess. And then I picked up like a fun, silly, dumb read called Big Girl Panties. And it's fun and silly and stupid. So Sounds good. What about you? What are you reading? Uh, well, I finished Crazy. Well, I finished Girl A, and that I loved. So, oh, good to know. I finished Crazy Rich Asians, and it was a two star for me. Like, I yeah. did not enjoy it. Um, I and- loved the movie. Did not care for the. I I only like one of the characters, and then her story arc doesn't end. Like until her- much later. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I'm like, I don't need to read all of this um and then i read the bromance book club in like i don't know eight hours it was not my cup of tea yeah um i know that it's not written i'm not the intended audience but it was not a, a great experience for me but i read it um and now i am in the middle of um, the Lions of Fifth Avenue, which is about oh, Fifty Words for Rain. Also, I'm in the middle Ooh, of, which is okay. really good. Um, it is about a little girl who is dropped off at her grandparents' house in Japan in like the early '50s or late '40s. Mm-hmm. So it's um, you know, right against the backdrop of World War Two. Right. She is uh kind of from a very noble Japanese family, mm-hmm. but, um, her, she is the, um, illegitimate daughter mm-hmm. of this family. And then, um, she's kind of hidden in the attic and not treated very well. And then her brother comes to live with the family also much later. Oh, and okay. he is like the apple of the family's eye. And he's treated much differently because he's the legitimate man. son. Mm-hmm. Um, but, 
whatever he wants he gets and one of the things he wants is his sister to be treated better and then it's like how the whole world changes for her Um, but it's really beautiful so far so i have some like um some books i'm trying to get my hands on and if you happen to work for a publisher which i'm sure you don't but um um, i'm trying to get my hands on riley sager's new book um and oh man what is the other one that i was trying to get the other day oh oh alex vigiliti's new book um the maidens Mm -hmm. uh riley sager's new book is called survive the night and it's like a girl that goes she's on some kind of like road trip or something but she realizes she's in a car with a perhaps serial killer Ooh, fun and yeah and then the maidens i mean I haven't read too, too much about the maidens. Um, I'm trying to save it, even if I don't get the arc, because I mean, the silent patient was such a good book. Like when I got to the twist in that book, I literally threw the book against the wall. I was so pissed. That's hilarious. Like, like I was more pissed than I am at you right now. (laughs) Remember that feeling. Mm, no so so yeah i'm trying to not read too much about it until i can really read the book right because i i don't want to be spoiled because um and the same with riley sager's book i kind of know the gist but i'm trying not to read about it um the first riley sager book i ever read final girls was spoiled for me halfway through me reading it and i could not finish it and it pissed me off so bad Yes, I have not read that. It's on my Kindle, and I don't know anything about it. Oh, uh, it's really good. Let me know when you read it. I, I will. His, my favorite book of his is Lock Every Door. That book terrified the shit out of me. Duly noted. Um, and uh, someone at Random House did send me um, Andy Weir's new book, The Ooh. Galley, for that. So I'm excited to read that, too. Mm-hmm. I do have The Galley book for um, Ben Higgins' new book that's a he's a bachelor guy i'm gonna it'll take me like four hours to read it i'm not really concerned but all right well this has been reading corner and (laughs) we want to know what y'all are reading and so i mentioned that we would like to like up our reading game and one of the things that i have been um tossing around that i'm going to toss around with you live is the idea of a lifetime sentence book club that is um or or maybe not even so much a book club as a literary society where we don't have to all read the same book but schedule a monthly like zoom hangout with not even patreon with our whoever wants to come that Mm -hmm. listens to us um and just kind of hang out on zoom or some platform and we talk about what we're reading and and just I don't know. I feel like the people who listen to true crime podcasts are also for the most part, kind of bookish people. Yeah. Um, and that, um, I feel like those genres cross pretty. Yes. Um, and so we are going to be finalizing that if Aaron is on board and if yeah. you guys are on board and, uh, we will make a blog post about that soon on lifetime sentence.com. Um, so be looking for that. Uh, especially we are in February, my school year wraps up in May, uh, May 28th is my last day. And then I am a free agent and, um, I will have time to devote to really making sure that we get those things, um, up and off the ground. Um, and I can work around Aaron's schedule because only one of us will have a demanding schedule after that. Yeah, I will be working on getting Paul to the place where he can just support me. And we can make the show together. (laughs) 
listen, Dr. Sarah supporting me. I'll be supporting you. It's all, it's all one big chain. It is. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Um, If you want to, Oh, Hey, I don't know if you've noticed we had like 20 new people like us on Facebook. Like we've gotten a lot of activity on our social media lately. So Hi. If you're new. Hi. Yes. We've gotten a lot of activity. Like where, where are y'all coming from? We've gotten like new listeners on our, like on new Mm -hmm. plays and stuff. So like, I appreciate it, but where'd you come from? Like, I'm so excited. Did somebody send you here? Because I want to thank them too. But um, thanks for joining us. Please rate, review, subscribe, share us with your friends. Um, And share us with your enemies. Be like, hey, um, this is the worst episode of a podcast I've ever heard. But, you know, the girl that told the story thought it was funny. Listen. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Be like, do you want to hear a man make his own deathbed? in front of our very own ears, like just in this episode. Um, so if you want to join us on all the platforms, you can find us Please. on Instagram at lifetime sentence mm-hmm. and on Twitter at life sentence pod uh-huh. and on TikTok at lifetime sentence. Yes. And at facebook.com slash lifetime sentence. Is it Facebook or Facebook? Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> And at, uh, listen, I'm so dehydrated. I can't actually enunciate anymore. All the, yeah. all the spit is gone from my mouth. Well, just remember, um, I just cursed you with no water forever. So that's fine. <laughs> um, just know that one day you and I will have to be in the same room again. And I will have a musk that you've just put on me. <laughs> so you, you just did that to yourself. It's fine. Um, I'm pretty sure I permanently lost a lot of my sense of smell. When I had <laughs> <laughs> um, see where else I got interrupted and you know that I am chasing squirrels now. Oh, you can uh, find our website at lifetimesentence.com. Shoot us an email at podcast at lifetimesentence.com. Or just from our website, ask us about our catering. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And then join us for more at patreon.com slash lifetime sentence. I just covered two badass black women who are not covered in normal black history month celebrations that I think should be. And Uh, well, first of all, let's like readjust normal because I feel like normally they are, they're not taught in schools because our education system is horrible. So it's a hot mess for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I've learned so much this month. Yes. From hella amazing creators who are yeah. better from, in every way than I am. From amazing people of color who have graciously taken their time to educate people this month. And I will be forever grateful for that 100 percent um so until next time don't forget to eat your vegetables and from someone that had no power for almost three days charge your phone bye (laughs) bye